0: This week Ian and I are diving into listeners' questions, we go through the questions that have been submitted to us on the Facebook groups, so let's get started. Hello Ian, how are you? Hi Mark, I'm very well. Awesome. Good
1: morning, how are you doing? summer
0: in the UK. Hope you're having a lovely
1: time. Yeah, I'm trying to have a holiday. Keep Yeah. Keep wanting me to do podcasts.
0: Well, the people want <laughs> to hear your voice, Ian. It's people so, want. They, yeah. You know, you've got to give them what they what, want. A holiday, What, what too. they want. No, they want to listen to us talking on the holidays, walking on the beach, listening to... People People have been emailing me or posting on Facebook, which is talking about all the different places where they listen to the podcast, and uh, a lot of people do it to exercise, so... um you know, if you listen yeah. to some exercise. Keep going, run harder. Yeah, don't go to sleep. Yeah, active. No. active. OK, so the- we haven't done a, a question and answer session for a while and we um we do them periodically to kind of flush out questions people have based on what they've been listening to and different things. So we've got a few questions uh, that have come through. I'm just looking to see if there's any been any more since I last looked, so that's fine. That's OK. Um, And so the first question, which I've got on essentially on WhatsApp, if you want to have a look, Ian. Um, So the first question is uh, in the macro, they're interested in whether the e commerce space is getting oversaturated or if we need to up our game to get above the masses. So that's the first question. Um, And in the micro, what steps need to be in place before we think about scaling? So I think we did a podcast on the kind of fundamentals that were needed to be in place be, um, before scaling didn't we I think that was I remember that yeah. as a, as a as a subject of that but we'll, we'll kind of talk about it now yeah as well so is do you think the e-commerce space is getting oversaturated or um, well or I think I, it's like
1: like we were just talking about this before and it's like you know you said well it's like how many shops you know how many shops can you fit into the Trafford Centre but actually it's not that is it it's like how many shops are, can you put in the u k? So mm. you know it's very it's very difficult to answer because because it is. I mean, how many shops can you put there? and and I mean really, you, you know you can have as many shops as you possibly want as in terms of if the market's there. Some markets are more competitive, aren't they, than mm, others than they some, were yeah, yeah. and and you know some, some new markets are created. we created all the time. New products are created all the time. I think basically, it's like you you have to look at each market. So if you were creating a shop that was selling, um, you know, N- N- Nike shoes. I won't. Nike is a bad example because Nike actually gone through the process of cutting out a lot of their B two C retail. Outlet, so you know they've pulled away from Amazon and things like that. But using an example, so if if you were setting up a shop selling something that loads of other people are already selling, um, mm. then obviously you're probably going to struggle because you won't have the buying power, won't have the, the, any recognition. It'll cost you loads of money to start. But it, but, but people are creating new products, so I would say no. I mean, you never. I mean, we, we, there's thousands of people who launch new e-commerce stores every day. I don't know what the stat is, you know, mm. uh, how many thousands there are, there will, but there will be thousands of new e-commerce sites launched. I'm sure Google search could tell us that, you know, where B2B brands are launching B2C brands or, you know, B, B2C companies are creating new sub-brands on new people are, you know, getting VC capital to launch new brands or they're just doing it themselves or, you know, thousands and thousands of people and businesses yeah. online all the time. So we're nowhere near, I mean, you know, the, the trends point, I think the general answer is we are nowhere near the saturation point, And we're just starting the journey of e-commerce in terms of, you know, changing the high street in terms of what's mm. happening high streets are becoming experience centres and we're doing the, the general shopping online. I mean, as if you're going to, you know, p- drive your car to the centre of a city, park, walk 20 minutes, pick up a telly, you know, you know, a 40-inch TV, take it back to your car, 20-minute walk, get a parking ticket, um, can't get it in the back of your car, have to leave you, your boot lid open, drive through the car park, smash your lid on the, you know, you're going to get it delivered to your house yeah. next day
0: for the same price. Free. So you're basically saying it's it's evol- it's still evolving, isn't it? You know, like yeah. back in the day when we first got into online, we started doing websites 20 years ago and we went to see um, a friend of the family who ran estate agents. I think you went to see them and they said that uh, websites would never be important for estate agents. He said, Oh, it's just it's just not gonna change. And you know, since then obviously it's completely evolved. And I think we're still seeing e commerce evolve in that, you know, what, what people will buy online today is different than what they would buy online four years ago. Yeah. I mean, one of our biggest clients sells men's suits. Now a lot of people would say, I'd never buy suits online, but the technology is getting better and people are getting better at buying online yeah. and the delivery and returns is, is becoming better. And, and you know it's what? just you- becoming a different experience. It is and you
1: see certain industries or markets really accelerating and I, I know mm. things like um, I mean selling car parts online is something that really accelerated because if naturally it was just so convenient for the consumer you know, if they, they need a brake disc, set a brake disc for their car you know the previous experience would have been they had to phone round Pick up the yellow pages or phone round all of their motor factors saying, Have you got this brake disc for this BMW X5? No, mate, no, we haven't got that. Phone the next one. Have you got this? Yeah, you know. So, of course, you go online, you put your brake disc in, you put your postcode, it tells you instantly where the nearest store it is. is, Yeah, and you go and order it. Click and collect. Um, or going yeah. over to your
0: house you know and you say so, well you can, we can have that for you tomorrow and you go well i wasn't going to do the job till the weekend anyway so i'll just sit here yeah, and a of, a it so like yeah. it's like that's why industries like
1: you know car parts online have, be-
0: have just gone woof, you know huge yeah. huge growth and also look at um look at the couriers like couriers like last year suddenly decided they were going to um you know, be able to deliver paint, which they'd never done before. Yeah. And so yeah. suddenly, like a whole new world of e-commerce opens up because couriers couldn't ship that before. Now they are. And there's been new technologies within delivery that are opening up new markets. So it's still it's still expanding. Now, but that's on the flip side of it, yes, I think there are areas in e-commerce that are oversaturated, just like any high street would get mm. oversaturated with too many hairdressers or, you know, too many bakeries or something like that, you know. That you can get oversaturated, and I think that people, um, a lot of people seem to set up the same type of e-commerce stores. You know, like there's a lot of um, women who have children, and then they decide to open up a children's wear store. I mean, we've we've seen that many many times. Or um, people start to want to do home candles, or you know, there's there's things like that yeah. that people set up that loads and loads and loads and loads of people do because they think there's a there's a market, but they and I mean there is a market for it, but there's there's new brands launching into it's, that it's, all the time.
1: It's very different. So, if you were if you were in a little town, lovely little village, um, and you're gonna open up a store selling children's babies wear and you're the only children baby wear st- st- clothes shop in there yeah. in that town, then yeah, you've got that there, there's a market for that, isn't there? There's loads of mums coming in with the mm. prams, there's a market there. Online, you'll be one of thousands and yeah. so that's where it becomes interesting and the reality is is that if you want to grow your e-commerce store now you have to steal market share you've got to stop somebody buying from somewhere else you know that buyer that you want is out there right now buying from somebody else you've got to stop yeah. them buying from them and yeah, so, that's what you've got so to you think need... about
0: so you need, like a lot of the people that, you know, at, at the start, they can do sometimes do quite well if they've, you know, are a successful influencer or something like that, they've got a platform they stand on. The trouble is with those kind of brands is that they'll sell to their influencers, the people they influence, and then it'll kind of dry up because, you know, that everybody that follows them has, has bought it, and then they don't want to buy again because it's that kind of product. They've got, oh, I've got one of those, and it's gone. So, you know, there, there's kind of, Things that can get you started, and then there's techniques to keep it going, which are slightly different. Um, yeah, but like, it kind of, well, it comes
1: on to the second point of the question: you know, what do we, what do you need in place to scale? And it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's actually quite relevant to the first one because, you know, you, 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 you I, I would say the fundamental things you've got to understand the fundamental mathematics of the business, and what I mean by that is, you know, what's your average order value. What's your lifetime customer value? So, if you have a low average order value and a low lifetime customer value, so if you've got an average order value of £20 and the people only buy once, you know, you are going to have to pay to recruit that customer probably, and it's going to be really expensive to grow. So, Mm. that like the, the biggest fundamental thing that affects the growth. Of your e-commerce store is the is the the basic business structure, you know the actual fundamental numbers behind it. You know how yeah. much does it cost us to recruit a customer? How much is that customer worth to us? You know, can and I, I think also the
0: the numbers are very important. And I used to think that it was just about the numbers and it was all about the offer and you get them in, you know, with decent products. But I'm starting to really believe that. The framing and how you get the customer's attention or the prospect's attention at the beginning is really, really key to how you frame your products. So let's say you're launching a skincare brand, and you you put your advert on Facebook. What is it that you can say in your messaging that gets people's attention that's gonna be different from everybody else? Because, um, or not necessarily different, but it's interesting that gets you people into your funnel. So if you can put people into your funnel inexpensively at the top, you have a good chance at selling them something. You can get them on your, your 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 you know your e-commerce funnel. You can warm them up. But what makes you interesting is going to be is going to be important. Yeah. Like for example, like like look at our the way we sold the book. So I don't know. If some people listening to this podcast may have bought our book. Um, you know, there's there's thousands of people, millions of people on Facebook saying that they can. You know, improve their results and do their SEO for them and do uh, increase their e commerce revenue and all that kind of stuff. And, but, you know, our, we sold 20,000 20, books on Facebook. And the only reason was it's because I found an angle that got people's interest in the first place. You know, that was the only reason, that was the only difference is because I was good at that, that bit, getting their attention and putting them into the funnel. And that was mm. really the only reason why it worked. And so, what I'm starting to realize is that without that initial kind of interest, like, oh, that's interesting for the customer, the hook that brings people so into the you're, you're
1: talking about Facebook and, and Instagram advertising right here, right there, Aren't you?
0: And yes, it's kind because... of because because the trouble is with like my book, like you can't advertise a book on Google because very little people search for e-commerce book. So it'd be very difficult to get that working. So they, it's it's product that people that people need, but they don't know they need it.
1: Yeah, and that's difficult. But, so you, you you're basically
0: them. what you're saying is that
1: you know you've got to stop people buying from somebody else. You, you that's yeah. the reality.
0: You've got to you've got to make them want to buy from you, or even even you've got to create a purchase that they wouldn't have made that they're going to make because now they're interested in what you've got to say. Like yes, you know, for example, I might. I might not be in the market for skincare like some moisturizer, but if you hit me with the right market and the right message, sorry, not the right message, well, there was right that medium. example,
1: there was a, that example of that, um, of that company that was selling five products that was doing mm. knocking on probably 20 million now. You know, there were, it was a 20 pounds, 22 pounds average order value. It was five weird and wacky products, and they were yeah. doing really, really well. And they were sort of things, oh, God, yeah, I, didn't, I need one of those, that's good. And it was just the right price point to yeah. to get people to buy.
0: And if you but look I around think... your house, I bet you'll find products that, if you actually thought about it. And you, I wasn't in the market for that, and yet I, I yeah. have that.
1: So like, what we're saying is now, pressure cooker, for okay,
0: let, so let's just go back 15 years ago,
1: mm. 20, 10, 10, 15 years ago, you could probably plonk your products in Google and in Facebook um, mm. and on or, and, and natural organic traffic, and you'd probably make yeah. this just because you were there and that was enough yeah. 10 15 years ago whereas now that isn't enough you can't plonk your products on facebook you can't prod, you, put, you put plonk your products in your google shopping feed you can't plonk your products online and think oh people are going to love this and they're going to buy mm. because there's mu- there's people out there that are doing a much better job of it yeah. and you have to get them to buy from you and that's and that's about the the hook the
0: but story it comes in the down book. to yeah. but,
1: but but it comes down go back to the first podcast that we did you know we were talking about the difference between problem solving rational purchase products and an emotional lifestyle ones and how you have to build desirability for the emotional lifestyle ones and you have to have convincability for the problem solving ones was and that our first about, podcast well it I'm was very sure. early it wasn't it was early i think it the first early. podcast we did was the add to basket podcast yeah the the numbers, the metrics, the business. Yeah. And then we started yeah. talking about the difference between selling other people's products versus your own mm. brand of products. And, and that's like, they're fundamental. Mm. You know, if you're selling other people's products, it, your strategy is very, very clear. You've got to convince people to buy from you. you know, The convinceability and desirability is already there. Um, and And it's all about why they should buy from you. If you're selling your own brand of products, you don't have that convertibility or desirability, um, and therefore you got to create that. So it's a entirely different e-commerce
0: strategy. Hmm.
1: So, so we, you have to have in place to scale.
0: The only way you can scale is if your numbers stack up, and your numbers can only stack up if you've got the right funnel that's working in the right place that has yeah. numbers that make sense. It and part of that is going to be your is, hook. Yeah, but it's hmm. but it's
1: fundamentally. You can scale. You're absolutely right. If you can continue to recruit a new customer profitably and that you can continue to pull the traffic levers and still recruit profitably. So as you grow and pull the traffic, you're able to still convert profitably. Yeah, yeah. And that, and and okay. obviously there's so many factors. It's like that's a that's like tell tell me the success of e-commerce.
0: Isn't mm. it? It's difficult. What steps need to be placed in scale? It's a bit like saying. It's like saying, yeah. How do I have a, a multi-million, you know, multi-million pounds dollar store? And it's um, you know asking in a, in a, in a in a second to answer it. It's so it's difficult. It's like it's a bit like saying, how do I get rich? Essentially, yeah. that's what the question is. So there's a. <laughs> You know, it's um, it's a difficult question to answer. So, but obviously, that's what we're 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 working towards. So, the the next question is: I'm seeing no results in my Facebook advertising. How much does the iOS changes that were implemented in March change the viability of this platform for selling? And what are the alternatives? Um, and you you were saying that if you know, you, why don't you say what you said? To well, me I was the just saying. Before.
1: I think generally, my opinion around the Facebook and the changes because obviously there was a big change in March um, in Facebook. And I was saying basically, if it was doing really well before the change, if you were really recruiting loads of customers and doing incredibly well with Facebook advertising, it's probably still working now. you know it, it it'll probably be good now. but if if before you were you were on the fence some some weeks you'd have you know, some loss-making, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, it's probably struggling now. And Mm. I think the reality of it is, it goes back to what you were saying before, is you can't just plonk your product ads on Facebook and think, oh, that's going to be enough. People have got to want to buy your stuff. There's no magic wand. You've got to, you know, so if it was crap before, it's going to be even crapper now. Mm. Um, because it just got a bit harder but you know you're saying if if there's something out there that's got lots of people and if I put an advert in front of this, these types of people you know it, should it work so it'll work if it's the right people at the right time the right message the right offer the right hook
0: so it's like saying, Facebook advertising. saying,
1: is advertising not
0: working? I mean, of yeah. course that's not true. Well, but if adver- Facebook advertising is very medium. much similar to like magazine advertising. Because if you think about it, people are on Facebook for entertainment. Yeah. They're looking at their friends and family. They're not really in the market for something. They're just kind of relaxing. Same thing with a magazine. They're reading through the magazine. They're not necessarily looking for products. Yeah. There's so no intent it. to buy, is there? So if you okay. change that sentence, the question say I'm seeing no results from my magazine advertising. How much has the magazine advertising changes since March and the is it viable to sell on? Like like magazine advertising, even though it's gone down small, some people are still making a lot of money from magazine advertising because they've got it they've got a very good advert. They've got a very good message in the right uh, kind of uh, magazine. and there'll be niche magazines like about you know painting little figurines or model aircrafts or something that still have adverts that still will work. Yeah. And it's the same with Facebook. Facebook advertising is not going anywhere. Your customers are still there. It's just whether or not you can get in front of them in the right way. Now Facebook has just got slightly less good at working out which customers are about to buy the thing you're about to sell. Um, And so that's what's happened. So the difficulty is if you're coming to Facebook advertising, and I know this person's coming to Facebook advertising for the first time ever, is that You've got to go through that learning phase at the time when Facebook isn't as efficient as it used to be. So you're going to have to spend more money to find out what the key messages are, and that's the difficult bit because you know, like like when I was selling the book, I probably spent. I mean, I was doing Facebook advertising, different stuff until I found. It took me about four months or so before I found the right message. I think I probably spent about fifty thousand dollars finding out the right message, and a lot of people I haven't got 50,000 dollars to try and work out what to We well, didn't lose you, know, what's it. Gonna you get work. some return though well you get some return you, know, you, don't think you got don't... some return back but it wasn't but what i really wanted no. I wasn't scaling but... um you know at the time and also i was getting i was getting um you know recognition and people were coming on to different things and i was doing different things I but think you, i think what you just said
1: is really interesting you know because our, the difference between facebook and google and G- google is is where the intent to buy is. If you if you're searching for something in Google, um, because you want it, so therefore the intent to buy is there. But you have no control in Google really who you want to show the ads to, particularly in terms of you know the mm. demographics of it. You know you can't go and target you know middle aged men, you know in Suffolk, um, who like yeah. cycling you know if they search for it it, it it'll come up but in facebook mm. it's like a magazine isn't it you know they're not searching mm. for it they're going into facebook to do whatever they want to do um yeah
0: so so you have to do a lot of work you have to do a bit of work to find out who's so, interested in the first so place basically the creative and hook's got to be better
1: than it was yeah, was saying, yeah. isn't it you can't just plonk the product up there anymore because that's what facebook used to do they knew okay they knew where people had been, what they were doing, when they were looking at different, yeah. you know, if you were selling
0: shoes, you know, they would know our people have been looking at these shoes. They're ready well, to they, buy. Well, they know. Like Ian's just been on his phone and he's just been looking at some face cream and he's been onto four websites looking at face cream. So he's really in the market for some face cream. I'm going to send him some face cream ads, but it yeah. doesn't, they don't know what you're doing on your iPhone anymore. No. So they can't, they can't send, they can't send you that as targeted information as they could. So that's that's the difficulty. So we now have so to. So what's our answer? Um, what's our answer then? What no, I, I, Facebook answer. advertising is is, uh, is is still viable, and yes. um, there's How different d- techniques to 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 basically get to where you need to be. What would you say? Um,
1: Someone starting for the first time, you know, they get they're going into it. What would you say? Start with you know, small budget monitor it every day, take take only take a half a dozen products, put everything in there. No, I I,
0: I I tell them to fit because I, I recently did some Facebook training and I gave away on the group and uh, the Facebook uh, the our free Facebook group. Um and I tell Actually, them to I watch the training.
1: Video. I thought that was great. Mm. That was that was about the Facebook creative, about creating yeah. the awareness and the desire and stuff. I think that was really good. Yeah, um, so I'd, I'd go anybody. through that
0: because that's the approach that that you now need to have, and you need to be talking about those angles that I talk about. So if you're not, if you haven't watched that, uh, and you need, would like a copy, just message me or email me. Just reply to the email if you get one from us, and I, I can send that through to you because I think that that is the is probably the easiest way to get started and how I'd start with those creative because um, it's just going to put you on the right foot. Um, Facebook's viable but obviously it's going to be more viable for certain brands than other brands and I should be able to tell you that as well which ones if you say what you're doing i will be like ah oh, Google Ads or you know Facebook or
1: whatever yeah
0: there's definitely there's
1: yeah. certain businesses that we always go well this is a Google Ads business or this is a Facebook business yeah and that's yeah, yeah. that's definitely
0: yeah that's definitely relevant. so next question so how manage a retail fashion company Right now, our only paid traffic source and pretty much our only traffic source is Google Smart Shopping. It's doing extremely well, but we recognize we really need to diversify our traffic channels. With everything going on with tracking and the ad space, is Facebook ads still the next logical choice to start? Or would you recommend another channel to try to get working before BFCM? And um, right. I'd, look, I'd, have to, I'd have to look up BFCM. And, of course, it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday. <laughs> but, uh,
1: acronyms yeah. always
0: throw me. Oh, bloody hell, I don't know that. I'm
1: stupid. <laughs> what, um,
0: what do we do, What we don't
1: know about this company is are they selling other people's products or is it their yeah. own brand? Mm.
0: That's what we don't I'd say. Let's, uh, let's assume they're selling their own products because they say they're doing very well on smart shopping. And so great. Um, you know, that, that that's that's really good. So smart shopping. Smart shopping is great; gets you started. You can you can optimize at low budgets. The trouble is, it's not going to give you any data for your search campaigns. The next channel you'd probably add is actually search ads. Um, so um, rather than going to Facebook, you go well. We're doing really well on here, but what you know what what's converting on on Google uh, Shopping? And do we have you know like we we've converted done five conversions on Google Shopping for the search term women's polka dot blouse and what, what would happen if we you know put search ads on that one that, that's kind of what you need to know the trouble is smart shopping is not going to give you that information so you either have the choice of moving to standard shopping um for a little bit of time and getting some data or you know getting that working overall or you can maybe you start running some dsa ads some dynamic search ads and getting the keywords going from that as well so you've got different choices of what we're going to do but i would probably say max up maximize google ads first and then the other th- the other thing in the question which is interesting says and pretty much only traffic source is you know we've run big fashion brands for years email's massive for yeah. all our fashion brands that we've run and so that would worry me is like why why is email not be doing like 40 percent 30 40 of the revenue um so that would be something that you you'd, you'd, you'd want to get going straight away yeah um yeah so it's like a gift No. I would say it's a good yeah. opportunity,
1: you know, yeah. for her, I mean, or whoever it is. They've, um, yeah, I mean, you know, email is like the gift that keeps on giving, you know, yeah. particularly with fashion business, because obviously that increases the lifetime customer value, which means you're able to expand your, your recruitment budget because you've got a better return.
0: And because I wouldn't freak out about- if Smart Shopping was the only campaign. You could ride that horse for a very long time. It's not going anywhere it's it's solid it works well it's going to deliver you know what you need to do is make sure that you can have the lifetime value work from the customers that's bringing in get email going and then you should you know you could probably just ride all the way to your first five million a year just on just on one channel
1: but also if she's if it's if they're doing brand searches if it's you know a brand you know whatever it is xyz polka dot dress the more brand Searches that she can stimulate, you know, the the more she can continue yeah. to ride that wave. So if if she can do, you know, more awareness type campaigns for that brand, she's going to get more brand searches, which will
0: which she then uses yeah. Google Shopping to mop up. I mean, look at the look at the brand you've asked me to work on this week, uh, which is the, the the brand they're doing about twenty million a year. They want to do thirty five million next year. They want to do fifty five million a year after. They've got to seventeen million just doing Google shopping. yeah, so you know, and 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 they're still going and still and still more in the tank. and so uh, I, I imagine I don't know. I, I presume you're probably not doing twenty million yet. So you know, ride ride that horse, yeah and and take it higher and until you can't start freaking out about Facebook because, you know, there's probably a lot more in the tank there to, to, to kind of, and Google Google's not going to shop, Google, uh, Google shopping down anytime soon. So um, take it further. Um, Sounds good. Have you any experience working with influencers or brand ambassadors or affiliates? Is there a difference? Preferences? What are your best tips to maximize the benefits? And what, in your opinion, must be included in a contract with an influencer or brand ambassador? Any tips on mass, maximizing user-generated content generally? There's a lot there. So out of everything, we've done a lot more with affiliates than influencers and brand ambassadors. Um, affiliates, we have, and well, we did affiliates, we've done for probably about 10 years. And at um, the beginning, we got our hands burnt and then we got better at it. And then we, you know, we're pretty pretty good now at driving content affiliates and non you know, clipping the ticket affiliates. So that's the one thing you have to be really careful with affiliates is that they're not just going after sales that you would get. And I think we've done we've done podcasts on affiliates as well, um, so you can check that out. Yeah. Uh, brand ambassadors, like it's, you know, it depends on what you're looking for. Like, you could, if are you looking for like a big one brand ambassador, so who are like the Sarah Beanie of the LDD the kind of thing, who becomes yeah, well, like the example I was personality, or are you looking we for yeah. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just saying, yeah. So I was saying we took, um, you know, there was the, you, the example I was think about brand ambassadors, you, you took a very crowded space and we applied a brand ambassador. Sorry, if you can hear, can you hear water running?
0: No.
1: I was just, I'm sat in the garden and someone's no. <laughs> just pouring water down the sink and it's coming down the outside drain. It sounds like I'm on the loo. Not. Yeah, no, um, I, can't, I can't hear anything. Okay, so the, so the story, yeah, was was about this was this was when everybody was selling um, LED e-commerce businesses. It was about ten years ago, and they're all you know LED was the big thing. Everyone's gonna start selling LED lights, and everybody did yeah. loads. Of people started stores. They were getting them from the same place. They're all pretty much commodity, you know, GU10 LED bulbs. And yeah. this one, one of the brands had a brand ambassador. On it, and the brand ambassador was Sarah Beanie. She was one of the DIY, you know, home improvement, you know, celebrity TV celebrities, and um, she had a face on the face on it, and she had a, you know, and and that was something that really helped position them because it added trust and it added credibility, um, mm-hmm. and uh, reassurance. Of course, you know, everything else is the same. So I've sort I've seen that work really. I'm a big fan of brand ambassadors, actually, because it because it gives it gives instant credibility.
0: It's mm. not really
1: that they're going to drive traffic, which is the difference. Yeah,
0: they're there. not driving traffic; they're just they're driving not, in, driving a conversion yeah. rate increase, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. they are
1: through reassurance. Yeah. Whereas an influencer strategy is different; that's about driving traffic. But a yeah. brand ambassador is isn't. It's about giving authority and credibility and trust and reassurance, which
0: should improve our to Basket. I've actually That's seen quite a, a few out, uh, businesses recently, business who kind of come from nowhere startups, and they found um, a celebrity who is probably not like mainstream, well, isn't mainstream anymore, but is very well known to their target demographic. So this brand was targeting kind of maybe women over 55. And obviously, the the that, you know, when they were in, their, you know, mid 20s, 30s, there were some people. You know, some people they knew really, really well. And with that demographic, they still have um, a much bigger uh, kind of impact to them than um, than that than they would cost. Because you know, obviously, the the person is a lot older and is not in the limelight. And you know, it it, it so you can actually do quite well with these people. Um, and it, it, to elevate your brand and not not be spending the earth on it. So if you can be quite savvy with that, you can actually um, you know launch your business and 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 get to the next level by using these kind of um, I guess C-list celebrities, but that, that, that still have integrity. Because there's lots of people who were famous who were who who had integrity and then have kind of whatever reason have retired from the spotlight, but they still. You know, they still would quite happily lend themselves to a brand that they thought was interesting and stuff like that. So um, so the, the answer is, is, is we've had a bit of experience with influencers. We've got a lot more experience with working with affiliates. Is there a preference? Um, affiliates are only really going to kind of help you fan the flames of what you've got. Like I never really see affiliates being a channel bigger than like 20% of revenue. Um, you know, it's, it's always kind of like an add-on. It's not really a, a main driver. Um, a, a brand ambassador can really help your conversion rate increase, and if you get the right influencers, you know you can just kind of become huge overnight. But it's very hit yeah. and miss. So well, obviously, um, I think I think
1: with, it, with with influencers, like we we, we were going to launch um, a wetsuit business a few years ago, um, and for whatever reason we didn't. But we were we were looking at the influence in, in the space. You know how you know you, how do you launch a, a it was a new brand of wetsuit so obviously you need credibility. so we went to look at the triathlete it was the triathlete market and the triathlete market at the time you know you could go on to influence um, you know Instagram and you could find you know the the top the top GB you know champions of, tri, of tri, in the triathlete world and they were there mm-hmm. and they were very approachable and they didn't really need any money and they didn't really, you know they just wanted a free wetsuit. You know, yeah. Whereas you go into something else, like you know, uh, I mean, that was pro- that that probably isn't the case anymore. But there will be certain, you know, certain small groups of influencers who who are obviously influencing a very powerful. Yeah. You know, small, well, there's a good example of someone who's been
0: working with, um, you know, a Kate from Harry trail running. She's got micro influencers. there's trail running all across the UK, and she's done like brand ambassadors with the all the local running groups. And yeah. you know, of course, they're delighted to work with yeah. someone to have some recognition and stuff in their in their niche, because trail running is not something you see at the you know Olympics and stuff like that. It's kind of like a sport that's kind of everybody knows each other. So if you've got a sport like that, where you've got these micro influencers all over, them, and giving them recognition and working oh, they with love them, it. and they just love it. Yeah, and and it's great for you and for them because. You know it's a good community and you know why should you know, people in trail running go and buy expensive brands that don't really care about them that they're, they're quite happy to work with you know independents yeah. that that are actually really passionate about the brand so yeah it can work really well but as you know, what must be included in the contract i think that's too much to go on here i mean that's that's going to be included i mean there must be um and we've probably got some templates of different things we've done in the past or or, mm. or stuff but i can't really talk well the, about typic- that. I think the typical
1: difficult. i think the only thing i'd say about that one typically a lot of the, a lot of the brands that we work with have had good success when they when they they've been able to use the content that the influencer have created over and over again mm. so so mm. the, the deal was that you know we'll give you the, the you know these products and and xyz and but we want we want the right to own the content that you produce so if they do any video or imagery we yeah. want to use that yeah um, wherever we want for as long as we want and and that's i know I mean, a lot of the, well, the businesses that are really good at this is the fast fashion businesses and they, they basically get all of their product, photography, copy content from the influencers. They give, they, they send the products out to the, to the influencers, um, comes back, what comes back is all the photography and the video and the content. And then that, that builds a campaign and off mm-hmm. they go. Yeah. And, and yeah. So you, you know, yes, I think that might be something you want to consider. Is can we can we keep the rights to the content that they've produced?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing was any tips to maximise. I've only got like seven minutes left, so I better go through the okay. questions. But any tips for maximising user-generated content? So um, I've I've seen people with Facebook groups in e-commerce doing mm. really well of of having competitions in the in those Facebook groups, getting the community going, and getting them to post photos of them consuming the product or using the product and those photos have been fantastic. So if you're in like a homeware or selling rugs or, you know, selling um, handbags or anything like that, where, you know, maybe maybe out of 10 photos, one of them will be amazing. Is that one amazing photo, as long as you can get the rights to use it in your advertising, um, could be, you know, worth, a, 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 you know, a, a $10,000 photo shoot because photo shoots are expensive, really expensive. So yeah. if you can kind of actually get your your, um, your customers taking some beautiful photos for you and incentivizing to do them. You can, you know, and it's, it's just that, you know, like we said before, like that one picture that can really drive a business like we did for the suit guy. You know, we found that one image and we were like, right, that's brilliant image. Everybody likes that. They were just going to, you know, it was just the, the image that just launched a thousand ships. Basically it was massive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're saying
1: competition, doing encouraging well, user generated
0: content. Yeah, encouraging them to, to give you the content that you want and um and, and really spending time doing that and to incentivize it and, and and you know, reaching out to them personally. And if they've got a lovely room and a lovely house and they've got your duvet or whatever on it, then it's like, yeah, um can I send you can I send you some free stuff in the return yeah. to some some photos, like the more photos like that. Thank you very okay. much. Because you know, just you've just got to kind of uh, see how much a photo shoot costs.
1: So uh,
0: last five minutes, my average order value is around the £11 mark for my own branded products. I'm currently offering bundles to try and increase this. But with an AOV so low, uh, will I generally struggle to succeed in e-commerce?
1: Well, what's his lifetime customer value? We don't know. No, we don't know
0: what it is. So, you know, that, that's the so, thing is, if you're selling something as a one off and it's £11, then it's going to be very hard to get that working, isn't it? Let's say you've got like um, a, 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 something that fits your phone that makes it stand up or something, and that's your only product and they're never going to be able to buy anything else from you ever again and it's only £11. It's very difficult hmm. to make that that work. Having said that, you know that there was that company we worked that did twenty million on Facebook advertising, and all yeah. of their products were about started off at eleven ninety nine. I think the average order value was about twenty twenty ninety nine in the end. But yeah. there was they were making. Um, I mean, the answer. The, the answer to, to the question. It. The answer to the question is, how
1: much does it cost you to recruit a new customer, and does that work? So if you can recruit a customer for two pounds, and your margin is, you know. Eighty percent, um, yeah, you, and you and you can you can do it profitably. Then great, crack, you know, brilliant. What you then need is is traffic. But yeah. what tends to happen is that the lower the average order value, the harder it is to recruit a customer profitably because you've got you know, the the economies of scale. If you so, if your recruitment costs are, you know, they they tend to sort of well normally. We've said like ten pounds for Google Shopping is like a realistic, you know, starting point. Kind of, it doesn't tend to go that much below that.
0: So, to yeah, it, it, cost... it's 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 just your numbers, isn't it, and how your numbers stack yeah. up together. And like, if you've got massive margin, you could maybe make it work. And if, if you can sell them other things once they've done it, then great. But you know, if you've got a lot of headwind against you, then you might be quite difficult. To get it all working and all singing and dancing together. So, yeah. um, you know, if I was designing a product to go out and I'm launching a business, and you said to me, "Mark, it's eleven pounds, uh, and there's no lifetime customer value. Once they bought it, it's gone." I'd be like, "Yeah, I think there's other other things I could do that would be make my life a lot easier to uh, to do." I mean, like, look at the, look at the business we set up a couple of months ago. The average order value is a little bit low at the moment, isn't it? It's about fifty quid. Something like yeah. that. That's still, you know, you're getting like three or four orders a day. If the average order value was five hundred pounds, you'd be you'd be jumping over the moon. Yeah. So it really affects your yeah. numbers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the the, you know, the higher the average order value, the easier it is because you've got bigger you've got bigger room to play. Um. And the and the bigger the ab the bigger the lifetime customer value, the easier it is. So you're starting off with a low average order value, um, which is inherently harder. Um, yeah, because it's about return on ad spend. So yeah, so that's difficult. But obviously, if you if you can tag on, it might be content lenses. We don't know, and they might be selling them, you know, once a month, or it might be subscription business. We don't know, mm. which is great.
0: Mm. So cool. Yeah. Well, thank
1: right. you very much for your
0: questions. It's really um, it's really a nice podcast to do for us if we do have questions. kind of Otherwise, we have to think of things to come up with. And that's difficult. We just like to rock up and just have a conversation. So thank you very much for asking these questions. And um, uh, we do hope you're enjoying our free Facebook groups and uh, getting into the people that are on some of our paid programs. Thank you very much for joining us. It's um, it's awesome to work with you. And uh, for those massive people that pop out of the woodworker's end that, that shock us with how much revenue you're doing, That's also an honor to work with you as well. So thank you very much. And we will will see see you next time.